and that life is exciting. You know, Andrew just said, you know, it's not scary going into prison. Well, you know what? It sort of is a bit. You know why? Because you're stepping into something that's unknown. The Bible actually, Barnabas took a massive risk by getting to know Paul, didn't he? This man that we don't really read about took a massive risk. He took a step of faith and said, this killer of Christians who has now been born again, I'm going to partner this man with these other men that I know. You know what? It is risky. It is dangerous to be a Christian. Because God will call you into places that you have no concept of where you're going. He says, come follow me. You go, where are we going? He says, you do not want to know. Because you will not go if I tell you. So come and follow me into the greatest life that you could live, not only here on earth, but in a future kingdom that he is establishing and will establish. And I just called this The Journey Begins. And the Father, as I said before, has way more in store for us that is in this word that I've ever imagined. And I'm going to share a little bit today of just the last 12 months for me. And you know, the point that I've come to is I really know nothing. This Bible that I thought I had down pat and knew quite a bit of, I've discovered I was probably only known a quarter of it. And there are things in here and truths in here and scripture in here that if I didn't understand it, I'd sort of go, wow, that's really interesting. I haven't got a clue what that means. Read on. I can't do that anymore. Holy Spirit says, go back. Go back and seek understanding on some of these scriptures that maybe aren't comfortable for you to look at or challenges you too much. And we're going to look at that today and look at that as we go forward. Because God wants to build me and you internally to reflect Him. It's the purpose of Scripture. It's to correct, it's to teach, it's to rebuke, it's to straighten and realign every single one of us that we stand The Bible says, as a pillar that supports truth. To bring us, to teach us, to train us into righteousness. Isn't that awesome? I think it's amazing, but not easy. Not easy allowing God's word to define you, to realign you, to reshape you. But it's for our own good and our own benefit that we would come into the fullness of what he has for us. So everything he does is for our benefit. Everything that he does, you know, we think, oh, I'm going to miss out. No, you're not. You're going to come into the fullness of who you're created to be. And the word of God has been given to us to define us, to realign us, to create in us. Him. God in us is the hope and glory. Romans 12.2 says this, Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed through the renewing of your thinking. Do not be conformed to the patterns. You know, we've all lived in this thing called the world system. And when we all made a commitment to follow Jesus Christ, We entered into another kingdom. But what we do, what I've been doing, what I've realized and, you know, God has shown me is 
you take the thinking and the patterns of the world and you bring it now into his kingdom and you try and apply those principles into another kingdom. It's a totally different way of thinking. It's a totally different way of living. It's totally back to front from the world. But what we try and do is we try and live as if we're in the world in the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, before he stood before Pilate, he said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it was, my buddies right now would be fighting these men. He says, but there is a different internal system on the inside of them that I'm building. And the reason they don't retaliate and the reason they don't come and you know, try and fight for my arrest is because there's something different. There's a whole different parameter and a different system that is being built into these men because my kingdom is not of this world. He said understanding starts in the heart. That's a different thinking from our worldly thinking that think it's all in the mind, isn't it? And we fill our mind with information which we think makes us powerful and we put letters behind our name because we know a whole lot of information but more often than not, sometimes that information means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. It can mean everything. Especially within this kingdom when it is brought through the spirit of revelation. And now we have the mind of Christ. Not just a whole lot of information. Because if the word of God isn't defining you, if you're not becoming love, becoming gracious, becoming, then it's just information. And we've talked about that. And we started this journey, whether you know it or not, in the spirit 12 months ago. We started a process of transformation in the heart 12 months ago. Hence, we look different. And we got a word from Cindy Ruakiri back in September, which I believe was a gift from heaven for us that said this, the people that you were are not who you are today. And the people you are today are not who you are becoming. The key words in this is the people. The people you were and not who you are. Not what you're doing. This is not an external thing. God is redefining a people unto himself. It's a heart thing. The people that you were. The way you think, the way you live, the faith you have, the passions you have, the priorities you have. Guess what? It's changing. The way you live your life, the process you allow. The people you were are not who you are today. And the people you are today, I'm defining them to become something else. And I hope today you can capture this. God is building you and me. It's not about buildings. It's not about systems. It's not about organizations. It's about his people. Being built, loving the things that, loving him first and foremost and knowing him and loving the things that he loves and coming into the fullness of that. It's an internal transformational change of a person's heart. Four weeks later, a man by the name of Dave McCracken, a prophet known to the nations, comes here and says this Transition is empowering. When it is embraced. I'd only met Dave McCracken once before. I never told him anything or with Cindy Ruakiri. The last time I spoke to Cindy was four years ago. God just said, bring Cindy in. She has a word. Didn't say a thing to her. 
And Dave turns up and says those words, transition is empowering when it is embraced. It is important for us to understand that the transition or change we are going through, have been going through, is an internal one first and foremost. Because understanding starts where? Here. Sight comes here, not here. God is peeling back greater things that are in here. God is changing our heart posture and position so we are able to receive more of what he has for us. I know for some of us today you may be going, really? Have things changed? Is anything different? I don't feel different. And you know what? That's okay. That's fine. This is part of the process, I believe, of transitioning into the greater things of God as a community. The Israelites couldn't enter into the promised land because they had unbelief in them and they were supposed to journey as a whole community and go into this promised land. And I want to encourage you today, if you're going, what on earth is Greg even talking about? I don't sense any change at all. To seek him. To seek others that may go, I know exactly what Greg's talking about. And that discipleship would be the thing that empowers this community. Because we have changed. I know I have changed. I'm about to share some things with you that I never thought I'd say. So either I'm totally losing the plot, which is (laughs) not necessarily untrue, or God did something in my heart about 18 months ago now. And I know it's the time to start releasing this. Releasing it into, over, through. Because he's doing something. Jesus said to a bunch of religious people, you know what, you polish the outside of the cup. You look good, you put on these services, you do all these cool things, you go to conferences year in, year out, you do all these things and you look flash, but you know what, the inside's still dark. The inside doesn't look that good. The inside of a man or a woman, you can do all that stuff and be rotten here. You, know, you can be dead here. You go year in, year out, you turn up, and there's nothing happening. God wants more than that for you. Way more than that for you. I do. I want more than that for me. You know, if it's not real, if it's not tangible, I'd be lying in bed asleep right now. I wouldn't be here doing this. God wants all of us alive and pumping and breathing for him as an individual and as a community, as the body, having the impact that the Bible says we're called to have. That's why I said the church, we are to be a pillar, listen, a pillar that supports truth. Does the world look at this community and go, oh my goodness, who is, how are those people? They are defined, this, this, this is light beaming forth out of these people. Because why? Because they're allowing Jesus to build them. They're allowing righteousness to come forth because they're being redefined by my truth. And they bring truth and, and speak forth truth and take promises and you know what? Speak it forth by faith, spirit and life words that literally change people. Because of the power of the word. Paul said, I'm not a man of persuasive word. What I have, I have power, real power. It's God power in me. Because I'm bringing forth spirit and life. 
It's not about being flashy. It's not about being the greatest communicator. It's not about having the greatest music. It's not about having any of that stuff. It's about a genuine, authentic relationship with the one we love and follow and we know who we are in him through the process and we become the support of what he's doing on the earth. It's a governmental church that has, speaks in authority, not in political things, spiritual contexts. The kingdom of God, first and foremost, coming through me, I'm being defined by his truth. And as I'm defined by his truth and I die and he lives, comes forth, his, this thing hits planet earth. His dominion on earth. Being a follower of Jesus means way more than just doing things, even if these things are good things. Jesus is concerned about our hearts and how healthy they are. Why? Because as I said, sight and understanding come via the heart. I'm just going to stick right here today. One, have a fall over. But two, I actually really, some of the stuff I'm just going to read because I've really thought about how I want to articulate this stuff and I want to believe there's power in just the way I've articulated some things. So I'm not going to run all over the stage like maybe normal. So I'm just going to stay right here. Listen to this. I believe God wants to reveal to us a greater depth of understanding of his entire word. Not just the bits we're comfortable with and this revelation... Sorry, not the bits we're comfortable with, and this revelation comes to the heart of a person first. I'm going to repeat myself today. You can hear the same thing. Because Jesus preached. You know, when Jesus spoke, he asked questions, he spoke in parables, and he repeated himself. Repetition, repetition, repetition. So we can, faith comes from hearing. From hearing. As I'm speaking, I pray faith comes from the words I'm saying. Attach faith to what you're hearing, allow it to permeate into your heart. There's a battle for this stuff that's on. The enemy right now is trying to stop you hearing what I'm saying. You may even be speaking to yourself saying, oh, I don't know about this stuff. You've got to stop that. I'm not saying don't challenge what you're hearing, but I'm saying open your heart. The Bereans, be like a Berean. You say, what on earth was a Berean? A Berean was a group of people in Acts 17 who were eager to hear the word of God. And then when they heard the word of God, they went to the scripture and prayed the Holy Spirit. They went and had a look to see what the guys were saying. Was it true? Okay? That's why the Bible teaches out of the heart comes the wellspring of life and that we are to guard our hearts. Jesus teaches in Matthew that understanding starts in the heart of a person. That's why it is so important we maintain a heart of humility, a heart that is moldable and pliable, a heart that has love for God so we are able to come into a greater understanding of who God is, who we are in him and his ultimate purpose for the church now and in the future. You see, this is what God's showing me. What you tend to find is whole lots of Christians, whole lot of people, that either focus on the future, you know, we're all going there so we don't do anything here because we're waiting for something to happen, so nothing happens on earth, or we're consumed with what's happening right now and we don't even worry about the the prophetic words in this book. Maybe because we don't understand them, I don't know. God started to show me some of these things, you know, you go to different conferences, and I, I heard someone say the other week, you know, it's not about the future, it's about now. Rubbish. It's about both. 
It's not one or the other, it's both. But we, we choose one or the other. So people in the future, what do they, they were trying to work out the dates when, when Jesus is returning and the rapture and all that and they get consumed with this. No one asks why the rapture. It's when. But why is there one? And we don't allow the revelation of Jesus returning to empower us to live here. That's the purpose of prophecy. To empower us to live a life on earth that looks like this Bible. So we must capture the revelation of Christ returning. Because it will empower you to live, not just, oh yeah, I know he's coming back, but life just carries on. And you can spend your whole life here on earth focusing on the now, and it says he's coming, and you're going, oh yeah, whatever. Really? Not my reality. He's coming like a thief in the night. Are you ready? Are you awake? Are you, you know what I mean? It's the purpose of it all that was to build me and you to accuracy, to be defined, realigned, to be powerful, God in us. It's awesome. Oh, man. See, listen to this. After Jesus fed 12, 15,000 people, he goes to his disciples that are in a boat. And they start freaking out because he starts talking about bread and they go, haven't brought lunch. Guys, there were 12 basketfuls of stuff left over. Do you think one of us could have grabbed a loaf? And Jesus goes, what on earth are you cowboys talking about? I mean, he loved them, didn't he? He had so much grace. He had that much grace for us. He says, what are you talking about? And then he says these words. Why do you discuss the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet see or understand do you have a hardened heart? You realize you can have a hardened heart and not even realize it. I'm sure these guys didn't think they had a hardened heart. These are the closest men to Christ. Now yet, admittedly, they hadn't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but we've talked through this, that even when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, there's still more that you were to come into because Peter discovered that. He had to get the revelation that the Holy Spirit was for the Gentiles via heaven three times because he's saying no, and God's going, you muppet, yes. And here we see Jesus saying, do you guys, do you have a hard, can you not see, can you not understand why? Because they're looking through their mind, their natural, and understanding comes to the heart via the Holy Spirit. And so there is more. Listen, a hardened heart will keep you out of the deeper realities of God. Because a hardened heart leads to an unbelieving heart. And an unbelieving heart stops you becoming the person God intends and also receiving what God intends for you. I'm not talking about your, you don't believe in God anymore. I'm talking about the greater realities that God has for his children. The reason the Israelites didn't transition, they didn't enter the rest. The rest has nothing to do with going on holiday and lying down. The rest is what God was doing. He gave them the promised land. It's yours. I'm giving it to you. But they could not enter that rest. Why? Because of unbelief. That's why faith is so important. Faith in Him. But you've got to know Him to have faith in Him. You've got to love Him to have faith in Him. It's one of the key areas that we're going to be going through to know Him, to love Him. Through that, to know who you are in Him and discover the greater purpose that He has for you as His child, now and in the future. See, it's impossible to love God with all our hearts if our hearts are being given to a whole lot of other things. 
The Bible says this, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. So often I hear Christians say, it's where your heart is, there your treasure is. No. Where your treasure is, what you love, what you spend time doing, what you're consumed with, there your heart will follow it. So if you go on a hunt to discover God, if you go on a hunt to seek more of Him, if you go on a time sitting in His presence saying, I want you, guess what? Your heart aligns. Sometimes we have to make decisions and choices that aren't about our feelings of our heart, but through discipline. I'm going to discipline myself to now spend more time. Because you know what? The reality is, if I can only discover who I am by knowing Him, then how on earth am I going to find out who I am if I don't know the Father? Where my treasure is, there you will find my heart. These two prophetic words articulate precisely what has been happening at the rock over the last year. Because God has and is continuing to do a work in our hearts of transformation. Listen, so we all are able to enter the fullness of what he has for us as his church. Living today as sons or daughters and not of slaves. Galatians 4 is a beautiful picture of that. We're going to rip that apart. It's about a son who has the full inheritance, but he lives as if he doesn't have it. He possesses it, but he doesn't inherit it. So he thinks like an orphan. He thinks like a slave. I'm never good enough. I'm never good enough. I never mount up to anything. The cross paid for all that. Man, that's just wrong thinking. Living today as sons and daughters, not slaves, and moving towards our full inheritance now and in a future kingdom. And as I said, last year for me was personally, I got turned upside down. If you were here, I broke down in a service and repented. It wasn't because I had sin in my life. Because God started showing me there was more of me in trying to build this thing unintentionally than what I thought there was. I had my hands on things. I was trying to, and I'll be really honest with you though, I was driving, if you were here and here that you guys. I was driving, come on, let's go. You lot should be doing this. And we should be doing these things, but you know what? It's got to come by the Spirit for every single one of us because there's not much point you going doing something if it's not in here. Because you know what? It never lasts. You'll do it one-off event and then it'll be forgotten about. God wants more than that. And I was guilty. I came in the right door, but I was leading in the wrong door. It was hard. <laughs> it was hard for me to go, oh my goodness. I've got to change. God, I can't do this myself. You in me. As I spend more time with you, you increase, I decrease. He turned me upside down. He realigned me. I never thought I'd say these words. And if you know me, it's not about the lost. Are they important? Absolutely they are. Of course they are. They're part of the process. But if it's about me and you, first and foremost, loving him with all our heart, soul, mind, strength, it's about us knowing him intimately and through that allowing him to define us in our hearts first before we do anything. And through that process, we're on the move. Does that mean we have to wait? No, we continue to move, but you've got to hear from the Holy Spirit. And I was just consumed about getting people doing a whole lot of stuff because I thought that's what he meant when he said, I will build my church. I got it wrong, not intentionally. And for whatever reason, God started to peel back some things and said, now look at this. 
So of course it's about us reaching non-Christian. Absolutely it is. But there is a divine order into which he builds a person. Why do you think it says heart, soul, mind, strength? It's not just a mistake. It's not because he didn't. It's intentional. But we have to allow that process to happen because, you know, it is really easy just to go do stuff than actually allow God to define you because it requires a death process. I'm reading and seeing things in God's Word that I've never seen before, understanding things I never had. God wants the whole book taught and preached, not just the bits we like that make us feel good and comfortable, but also truth that challenges us, disciplines us, convicts us to live a godly life for our own good so we can partake in all he has now and the future. We know the stats. Christian marriages are no better than the worldly marriages. Why not? Are our kids a reflection of this? Is our parenting a reflection of this? Or are we no different to the world? If the stats pack up, are we no different? We're called to be different. You know where it starts? That's the purpose of the church. It's a challenge though, isn't it? I want to read 2 Timothy to you. Have you got your Bibles? It might be behind me. I'm not sure, but 2 Timothy. We're not in a hurry today, but I will finish before quarter two. I just want to, it's like, I feel like this is a, today is it's not just a normal day today. It's, I don't think any day is normal, but there's something God wants us to capture. I would really encourage you to get the CD Get in the hands of others. Go listen to it three, four, five times. 2 Timothy 3.16 All scripture, everyone say all. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Training in righteousness. It's an interesting word, isn't it? Now, we are made righteous by the blood of Jesus, aren't we? Part one. Part two, we need to inherit that so we walk in that. So I'm being defined because if that was a full reality, now it is on one aspect, but you know what? We would look different. We wouldn't hold bitterness, unforgiveness, disappointment, all those things in our hearts if we were purely righteous. Do you hear what I'm saying? So there's always two parts to the kingdom of God. We're going to look. Jesus said, if you love your father, your mother, your brother, your sister, your own life more than me, you're not worthy of me. Anyone read that and gone, what are you talking about? Because I thought the blood made me worthy. Well, it does. So what's he saying? We've got to get an understanding of that. Why? Because all scripture is God inspired for what? Training us in righteousness. I went like this. Don't understand that. Don't know if I like that because the God that loves me makes me worthy. Let's just move on. God's gone, not anymore. Seek me. Seek me and understand this. Why? Because I'm defining something in you 
so you can become what I want you to become now and in the future. I'll just, where is it? So that the man of God or the woman may be adequate, equipped for every good work. What are we going to be judged for at the judgment seat of Christ? We're going to look at this. How many people knew that there was a judgment seat for Christians? Uh, Hold on a minute. I thought I wasn't going to be judged, no? What's it about? It's about a judgment of works, spirit-led works. So we're going to unpack some of this. Listen to some of these scriptures. I've read one, or 1 Timothy 3.15 describes the church as the pillar and support of truth. Matthew 10.35, Jesus says, Do not think that I've come to bring peace on earth. I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. The next passage down, it says that I've come to divide daughter and mother-in-law and father and son. It's like, hold on a minute, Jesus comes to divide families? I thought he came to restore everything. Yeah, he did. So what is the greater depth of understanding that he's really trying to say here? That we would understand what he's actually trying to say. Listen to Matthew 10.37. It's the one he who loves his father or mother, son or daughter, even his own life is not worthy of me. Worthy of what? When we know the blood of Jesus makes us worthy. What are we not worthy of? This is in the inspired word of God. We can't just preach the man-centered stuff. We need to preach God-centered truth. Why? Because we're all coming to a place being defined. 1 Corinthians 6.2 Well, do you not know that the saints will judge the world? Okay. What? Where? When? Who are the saints? Because they're going to judge the world. This one's an interesting one. Matthew 25.30 Throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Parable of the talents. Three people, one master, all waiting for the master to return, all being given gifts, some five, some two, some one. One didn't do what he was called to do with his gifts. Sound like a non-Christian? The one that gets thrown into outer darkness? We're going to look at that. Seek the Holy Spirit. Go and look at that passage. Ask questions of that. Right now I'm not saying it is, I'm not saying it isn't, but what I am saying is, do we know? interesting do we in our presupposition do we go oh darkness that must be hell or do we go to scripture and actually ask what the darkness is because if you go to 1 John 2 you'll see that same word darkness is talking about brethren the darkness that we have in our hearts this is some of the stuff he's been leading me to because I believe there is more in here than what we what I've certainly I don't know about you guys what I currently my picture my picture, picture's always been there. My view of the picture just enlarged. And I know some of the Christian theology and the stuff is people said that is hell. So we're going to go and have a look at some of these things. Look at Revelation 2, 26, 27. He who overcomes, 
He who keeps my deeds until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of the potter are broken to pieces, as I also have received authority from my Father. I'm going to give authority over nations to someone. Someone who overcomes. I've heard things like, you don't read the book of Revelation because it's full of whacked out stuff. Hold on. All scriptures God inspired. The book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ. I got told by a senior leader that you don't preach the book of Revelation because it doesn't build the church. might not build the church you're building. First it builds the church Jesus wants to build. It's a letter from Jesus to the churches, one letter to seven churches. So it's a reflection of the church on the world today. And you read some of this and it says the church of Laodicea, which thinks it has everything, it has no need for God. God says, I counsel you to buy from me gold that is refined through a process. You know, as we go through stuff, hardship, trials, this has been my own life. Do you know what? You come out of that knowing God way more than what you did before it. God allows you to go through things because if you choose correctly, you will discover gold of knowing Him because you get redefined. But if you choose not to jump into that, go, no, no, my feelings, whatever, you never actually receive more of knowing Him. That's why the Bible says rejoice in suffering, partake of suffering. What does that mean? We want to look at that. Why? Because through it, you know what's happening? We are being built and trained in righteousness. Because you come through it, you know what? You can witness. You've actually got real spirit-led truth to bring to people. Because you've gone through a process. You know, we heard uh, the boys here talk some time ago about their marriage and how God restored their marriage. You know what? That's real spirit-led truth that they can bring, that when it's brought has power because they've walked through a process. They know God way more now than what they did when they went through it. I counsel you to buy from me. But you know what? He says, I knock on the door of your heart. We use that as if we're preaching to non-Christians. He's talking to the church. I'm knocking on the door of the church's heart and I'm not allowed in. Not non-Christians, us. Now none of this is to condemn us, it's to convict us, to wake us up because there is something God has for you and me that is no mind. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians 2, 9, that no, says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart has even entertained or condemned what God has in store for those who what? Love Him through the Spirit. You know why it's got to come through love? It's those that love Him with all their heart, soul, mind, strength that seek Him and they get a revelation through the Spirit. So I said before, if you don't, we don't love Him, you know what we're doing? We're loving ourselves. We're loving everything else. We're loving our career, our jobs, our, our marriages, all these things. And we're moving further and further away from the one that came and died. He's cool with that. He allows that. If you're saved. 
Because you know what you're not going to receive is the inheritance that he awaits at your judgment seat. And it's for us all. Now, you know what? The reality is I've never heard any of this stuff preached from a pulpit. So I thought, why not? I'll preach it. It says, blessed are the persecuted. For theirs is the kingdom of God. I know you start preaching like this, you know what? You attract demonic activity. Started 12 months ago for me. Started seeing things and that attracted demonic activity into my life, into my wife's life. Our children started having nightmares about black bats trying to rip out their heart. Guys, there is something in this word that God wants us to see, to work towards in the spirit, not in the natural, in the spirit, and grab hold of it. We are to be led by the Spirit and defined by His Word, grown by His Word, built by His Word and His pattern. The purpose of God's Word is to build in us an internal system and structure of righteousness like 2 Timothy 16 teaches that empowers us to walk on the narrow path that leads to an abundant life now and in the future. It's those who walk the narrow pathway who are building on their foundation which is Christ. This is 1 Corinthians 3. The foundation is Christ. But we build on that foundation. If we build it with gold, silver and precious stones, they will receive their reward at the judgment seat of Christ for the future kingdom. Those who have built with wood, hay, straw will suffer loss. Three areas we're going to unpack. One, I've asked every single person that's speaking to speak to these three areas and bring where they're at with their understanding of these three things. To love him and know him and know who we are in him and our purpose. So you're going to hear messages around this, this whole thing. Number two, I will build my church. What does that really mean? How does Jesus build his church? There's patterns. There's a pattern. You know, it actually says if these five giftings were put in place, then my people would come to the unity of the faith. They would know the fullness of Christ and they would be brought up to the perfect man. This is Ephesians 4, 11 to 14. It says, you know what would happen if that was the case? People would not be flowing backwards and forwards like this. People tossed in the sea, going from feeling to feeling. Oh, this is, I know, because you're built on a foundation. You're built on a rock. And when stuff happens, when Christ Church happens and those things, you know what? The church stands strong, even though the church has lost its house. Maybe a loved one. The church stands because it's a supportive pillar of truth and it reflects God because there's an internal system that God is building of righteousness which is different from the worlds and the third thing is there is a battle for the truth do you know that the Bible says that Satan goes before the throne room and accuses the brethren Satan's allowed into heaven 
I thought there was no darkness in heaven. I don't know. But the Bible says in Revelation 12, 10 and Zechariah 3 that he goes before the throne room of God accusing you and me of something. I believe it was the same thing he was accused of, wanting to be God. It's interesting, isn't it? Is that your theology or is... How about this one? God created Lucifer. Yeah. Does that mean God created evil? He created Lucifer. Do you think he knew Lucifer was going to fall? So he knows Lucifer's going to fall and he created Lucifer. Why? Do you get what I'm trying to say? It doesn't say that specifically that God created evil. Either he went, oh my goodness, Lucifer has fallen. I didn't see that one coming. Gee. Or he knew it was going to happen. Why? Why was he in the garden before man was created? Is there a purpose for the enemy that we need to understand and learn? God's in control of everything, isn't he? Is the enemy a chess piece in God's master plan? No? Some of the stuff we're going to unpack. But I, want, I don't want to just... What I want us to do, guys, I want us to go and seek God. I want us to go and seek his word. I want you to go and ask these questions. Meditate. Get in the spirit. Start asking the Holy Spirit. Come to me. as a Greg, you're full of it. This is why. Let's do this as a family. I'm not perfect. I'm not... I'm not you know, we put people up on stage. They are the master. Let's go together as a family in love. Can we love one another and contend for his truth without killing one another? Maybe. <laughs> Who's a betting man today? We'll put some odds on it. What, what an environment it would be called discipleship where God's people come together, not to prove each other right and wrong, but to actually love one another as he loves the church, contend for what's in this book, and come into the fullness of what he has. I want to love this man like I love myself, that we can contend together without... But love, see, love conquers all. Love covers. And this is the environment that Jesus came down and modeled. He, he modeled discipleship. We've got to be in it. It's a pattern that he modeled. But we're too full of like pointing the finger at our own brothers and sisters and going, you know what, that's not the... Da, 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 da. And we, you know what happens? The world looks and goes, what a joke. God said, Jesus said, I pray that these people would love me as I love you and you love me. And as they do this, the world would know them by, my, by their love and the world would know me because of the love that's in God's people. That is way harder than just going out and doing a whole lot of things, isn't it? 
That's way harder than putting on conferences and services and all those things. Attracting people to a building. Because you know what? There's my ego and I need two, three, four, five thousand people in my, in my thing. Because it looks good and I feel good and I get invited to go to conferences. Then preaching the all-inspired word of God that actually can clear the building. <laughs> it's true. I know what I'm doing today. Half of you might not turn up next week. And you'd be down at the local whatever that, you know, just does, gives what you want. But that's not the church. Jesus Christ is building. And I wouldn't be true to you if that was what I did. I'll finish on this. There is more that God wants to show us in his word but it must be revealed to us by his spirit for us to understand and comprehend. And our aim as a leadership is to start to unpack some of these things so we journey together, covering one another as we go, so we all receive the fullness of our inheritance. See, Proverbs 25, actually it says, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's actually his plan to conceal things, not from us, for us. He's looking for something. See, he's defining a people unto himself. So he conceals things because he's looking to see who's going to go after it. I've covered my bases by my son coming and dying on a cross. I love you. You're my children. But you know what? On one aspect, it's not all the same. Are there favourites? No, there's not. But God actually says, you know what? There is a judgment and some are going to receive some, and some aren't. So it's not all PC, we're all in this together, and we're all receiving the same thing. The Bible teaches that. Why was Paul going after something, a prize? He talks about an athlete winning something. Is he talking about his justified state? No. He's saying, you know what, my body, my flesh, might actually stop me receiving this greater thing. This is the Apostle Paul. What's the guy talking about? I just want to get you thinking. Rather than, you know, oh well, I don't know. 1 Corinthians 8.2 If anyone supposes that he knows anything, he has not yet known as he ought to know. Listen to this. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. See, we can chase knowledge for knowledge's sake. We can fill our heads with stuff. You still don't know as you ought to know. I guess you could go a number of places with that. You can think you know stuff and you don't know anything at all. Jesus came to the most educated, well-equipped, intellectual men called the Pharisees, stood before them, Stand up. Big guy like this, good looking guy like this, built like a tank, knows everything and says, you know what, Kirk? You really don't know a thing at all. Thanks, mate. <laughs> Didn't he? You really know nothing. But I've, I've, I've studied.
studied. I've done this thing. I've, I've learned the law. Yeah, but you know what you do? The law was supposed to lead you to Christ. And sometimes we just create means to our own ends. It's not a... Hear me here, okay? It's not about obedience. It's about knowing Jesus. You know Jesus, you'll be obedient. It's not about the law. It's about knowing Jesus. It's not about the lost. It's about knowing Jesus. You know Jesus, you reach the lost. It's never been about sin. It's about relationship. Sin's a problem. Now, just I'm, I'm, I'm hoping you're hearing what I'm saying, okay? You know Jesus, sin falls away. But we make these things the end. Him. You know Him, you can't come into the fullness of, of understanding some stuff. Luke 10 tells us that God has intentionally hidden things from the wise and the intelligent. Hmm. Had revealed them to infants. Now what I'm not saying, okay? Hear me, I'm not saying intelligent people can't hear from God. I'm not saying that at all. There is a divine order. You get spirit, you get the intellect, you get them going in the right order. That is the design. You can get wacko spirit out there, absolutely hopeless. You get intellect out there, dead, drive out spirit, absolutely hopeless. You stand right in the middle, which I'm calling the plumb line. You bring those two things together Spirit, the the mind, and boof. You have the Apostle Paul. You have what the Bible teaches. See, the battle for that truth is huge. Because you've got a lot of people out here, and you've got a lot of people out here. You know what they do? They fight one another. Oh, you lot of the spirit, you wacko. You lot of the intellect, you never go anywhere together the plumb line that's why God gave us five gifts think about it working together in love bring a plumb line the spirit of God because they all have different aspects there's grace on them to be released into and over and through I'll leave you with this thought and I have been guilty of this so I include myself in this how many communities today do you know that are being led by the fivefold? Then you've got to ask yourself, why not? The battle is not flesh and blood, it's spirit. And our heart here is to have a fivefold. Does that mean we have to have those five on staff? No, but we need to have them in our community. We need to be hearing from the apostle. We need to be hearing from the prophet. We need to be hearing from the evangelist. We need to hear from the teacher. We need to be hearing from the pastor. Two gifts are foundation building blocks. This is not, this is, well, I believe the Bible says that the foundation built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, but this is just Greg on the side. I believe, this is, this is what I believe now. Building blocks, foundation building blocks, operational gifts. They come together fullness of Christ these two have a role that these three don't do don't have they have a grace on their life okay these things have graces that these don't do and together they work all together pastor is I'm not a pastor 
I'll tell you, I'm not. See, we, we, have we got time? Everyone looks like they're not going anywhere. This is amazing. See what happens when you're honest. It's like, everyone's like, you're waiting for this time or something. I'm not a pastor's backside. Do I love people? Yeah, but I'm not a pastor. The gift of pastoring. We get labelled. He's not a pastor. He's a teacher. That's why we get on well together. <laughs> the pastoral gift. Okay? That's not me. An evangelist has a grace on their life that when they speak, this genuine power gets released. You know, people get saved because of the grace that's on their life. And they are called to raise up other evangelists and also equip us to, we're not evangelists, but to evangelize, to share the gospel message. Okay? Teachers take the word that they, as they work together with the apostle and the prophet and through the spirit and then start to like bring forth and articulate. So whether you're a newbie or whether you've been walking for 20 years with God, you get it because of the gift that's released. It's divine, his pattern, I will build my church. He doesn't say now you've got to figure it out. He writes it in his word and says now, this is how it's done. But have you got eyes to see it? You know what, I'll be honest guys, 12 months ago, I didn't have eyes to see it. Yet it's written in the book. You know, I said I'm reading things that I've never read before, but it's written in the book. Makes you think a bit of a dummy, really, eh? But you know what? You've got to capture it through the revelation of the Spirit. Because you can read, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, and that has absolutely no impact on your life at all. It's called to. It's not like I'm saying Greg came down the mountain and had this massive revelation, and so you've all got to try and figure out how to get it. What I'm saying is, this book and the words in this book, we have to capture the revelation of what's written down. Does that make sense? I thank you, Father. I thank you for these great people. I thank you. I can sense, Lord, there is a real, genuine, authentic heart to want to move forward. I can just sense you right now. You've been here since the worship started, the music to you started, Lord. And, and Lord, I just um, I thank you that as we go forward, it's good to question. It's going to be good to ask questions of one another. It's part of the process. Lord, that we would love one another. And Lord, that as my good buddy came to me and said, do you love me enough that if I'm deceived, that you would run after me rather than let me go? Because you love me, not because you might think that I'm wrong. And I pray that would be the spirit, the heart of this house. That we would love each other and walk together and as Titus says contend for the faith contend for the fullness of your pattern of your design of the inheritance that awaits contend for the revelation of the bride of Christ not just know about it in our heads but contend for the revelation God Lord there are passages there that about the kingdom of heaven that five enter into something and five didn't What's that talking about, Lord? I pray as we continue to journey that we would, we would go after the greater depth of truth. Not new truth, but the depth 
of what is contained. This is a big book. 30% of it is prophecy, Father. There's a whole lot still to come. I pray today, Lord, that our hearts would be stirred. I pray that our thinking would be stirred. I pray that we would enter a process. It's already been given to us, Lord, like it was to the Israelites. Help us to possess and inherit or inherit what we've already possessed. In Jesus' name.